the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420, The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good morning, everybody. Boy, beautiful. It's supposed to be a beautiful weekend. Looks like fall's starting a little early, but... uh... Anyway, we always talk about our webpage, so we'll talk about it again. What the heck, you know, bore you to death. But if you go to WHK1420 uh, and go to local podcasts, go down to Tim Hayes, they take you directly to my webpage. So uh, there's some good stuff on that. There's the Market Week, which is a wrap-up of what happens uh, weekly in the market. It's amazing how many people don't understand what's going on in the market. I, I've asked several people this, this month or this year, uh, what's the market doing, and and I, out of 14 people, nine said it was flat. <laughs> Just so you know, if you're, if you're out there and you uh, went to see Marshfield this year, they're up about 30%. Um, daily technical analysis. Uh, it's Bob Dickey showing you what he, he thinks. And there's some really good stuff, like there's some stuff on European equities and how, you know, we've been saying we think interest rates are going to be down for a long, long time. Uh, also, data breaches, how to protect yourself, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, I keep talking about this, but we're we're probably going to have uh, a gentleman who who's our wealth management uh, specialist on in a couple weeks. And uh, you know, last week I, I spoke to you. Usually, when somebody comes in and retires, I, I you know my first question is, can they retire? And my second question is, um, you know, how do you feel about retirement? What do you think is going to happen? And it's amazing. You know how different the opinions is when they come into my office, and then when they retire, it's a it's a big difference. So I just recommend that. But in the meantime, I'm only going to do this for another week. But our healthcare conference stuff uh, has has been dynamite. Um, the 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 best stocks that I picked were on average up uh, about twelve uh, percent since that conference. So uh, this is going to be the last week I do it. So if you you know you. Uh, you go to WHK fourteen twenty. Hit the e- email me or contact me and, and ask for the healthcare conference. Uh, so we're going to have uh, Rich Matthews in, I think, uh, on our show for ten or fifteen minutes. Just talk about wealth planning and uh, how important it is. So uh, uh, be, stay tuned. Uh, I think it's going to come after the holiday. So stay tuned. And then I think we're going to have uh, another person come in and talk about credit access lines because you know it's important uh, if, if if you can. You know, it's the best time to use it is when. You don't need it, all right? Uh, but when you do need it, it's always good to have. All right, so food delivery services can't seem to f- uh, pull people away from the 23 pounds of pizza they eat every year. Pizza holds 61% market share in delivery space. Isn't that amazing? Foreign purchases of U.S. homes have dropped by half over the last two years. Foreigners bought less than $78 billion worth of U.S. residential uh, state in, uh, real estate in the year and a 36% decline from the year before. And the rejection rate for mortgage applications dropped to 6.5%. That's a, that's a big, big scenario. And a couple other things. U.S. families are expected to spend $27 billion a season on elementary, middle, and high school students. It's not even counting college. <laughs> college is the big ticket. Uh, early predictions of the 2019 hurricane season estimate there will be 9 to 15 named storms, eight of which could become hurricanes. So that's a lot. Uh, two-thirds of U.S. restaurants offer delivery, according to a survey of 400 operators by consultants uh, firm Technomic. Restaurants are expected to do $46 billion in delivery uh, business this year. So I remember our September newsletter is out, and do millennials need a life insurance contract? And five retirement lessons from, from today's retirees. Social Security shoring up America's safety net. And when should I file for FAFSA? All right, there we go. Uh, we're also probably in November going to have a uh, seminar on rewriting retirement. So I, 
I highly recommend that uh, you know you keep. I, I got to set up the date not yet, but uh, also um, don't forget the savvy savvy investors. <laughs> easy for me to say the savvy investors credit workbook. Uh, you know you got to you got to work both sides of the balance sheet, folks. Your assets and your liabilities, and it's important. Um, okay, now look, there's a new term in investing these days, and I think you got to know about it, especially if you're buying individual stocks or ETFs. And that is called environmental social governance, ESG. So there's, uh, it's becoming a lot of millennials and a lot of uh, women are into uh, doing the right thing uh, or investing the right way, I guess. So if it affects the environment, it's a, it's affects society or they have a governance problem, they probably won't be in any of these portfolios. So think about that next time you buy uh, an oil company or something like that because, you know, these guys have some power. And so if, if they build more and more on that, and, and, and some of the hedge funds are getting that way too now. So it, it's hard for them to get uh, – it's, it's hard for you to build a base if they're, they're upset with you, okay? Uh, now, I, I have one that I use because uh, I have a lot of people that are interested in this type of thing. And um, – it's interesting. They they do fairly well. Uh, so it it's you know it's good, but it it's ESG investing, and it's something you ought to be thinking about uh, if you're buying individual stocks. You know, will this fit the bill for these guys? Because they do have a lot of money. I mean, it's in the trillions of dollars. Um, you know, after spending three years in a two hundred fifty dollar trading range, we had gold break out. You know, it was like eleven hundred to eleven seventy five, and it erupted since May. And you know, in June I sent out a. a uh, an email to everybody that was on my email list, and it's up 18% since that date, so that's pretty good. You know, I, I think some people, there's some questions, and, you know, what started this, and, and are there fundamental are the fundamentals likely to persist? Well, look, uh, I think gold is there because of uh, global debt to a certain degree, but it's also because of the uh, trade wars. Look, interest rates can't rise. There's too much debt out there, Okay. And if you think the Fed's going to let the interest rates rise high, you know, that's why they've been tighter than normal, I think, for a, a big scenario like this. If you look at the prior century of U.S. financial history, it suggests that healthy capital formation in the U.S. economy hinges on reducing the debt to GDP ratio, which has really gone up to, you know, it's up to 375% right now. So, um, I, I think, uh, Look, what the Fed's trying to do, and which I hope they do, is is to avoid debt deflation at all costs. And uh, in order to do that, you know, I mean, look, I, I think this uh, negative interest rate thing and and is going to end badly. So I'll just I'll leave it at that. But I, I do think uh, gold does have some room to go, and uh, I'll leave it at that. A um, couple other things, you know, which sector is going is will the economic activity follow will it be the consumer or the business and look cisco announced results from july uh it's it was a one side one penny up of upside uh you know surprise however the expectations were less than forecast and they beat it up by contrast uh walmart was just fine same stores and all that stuff and most retailers who are saying that china has nothing to do with their uh their business uh are going up a lot uh so that i i think it it, it's getting more and more uh, that if you beat your earnings, you're in great shape. Now, look, I think there's a potential stock buy signal, and this is Tim Hayes speaking now, okay? Um, for the third time on record, the yield on the 30-year Treasury bond moved beneath the dividend yield of the S&P 500. So if you're wondering why I keep pushing the prime income list and the dividend growth list, which you can get by going to WHK 1420 AM, and going to local podcasts down to Tim Hayes and then get my web, go to my webpage. But in the two previous instances, late 2008 and mid 2016, the relationship signaled uh, above trend forward returns for equities. Uh, so, you know, with the treasury, uh, with the yield on treasury bonds maturing in 30 years, moving basically to 2% for the first half, uh, for the first time last week, I believe, a potential buy signal flashes for equity. So I think it's kind of, uh, you know, that it doesn't happen very often. It hasn't happened in a long, long time. So I think it's, some, you know, the dividend growth portfolio, I 
you know, and the prime income list are going to be okay. Now, I like the dividend gr- growth portfolio a little bit more right at this point just because it's, uh, um, it's going higher. And, you know, I, I had some questions. Uh, this is from Al. Al's ans- asked a lot of questions. Uh, but I talked to him on the phone the other day. And I, by the way, I do pick up the phone. Uh, and, you know, he said, Tim, do you, do you think gold strength will outlast the dollars? And I think, yeah, I think gold and the dollar are at a crossroads in terms of relative performance. And I think um, the intervention to weaken the dollar is possibly coming in, in months. I mean, Trump solves but said that. So, so I, I, regardless of global tensions, uh, virtually assured uh, – I'm, I'm sorry, regardless uh, – I can't read my own handwriting. Uh, global tensions virtually assure a continued strength of gold, I think. So, uh, you know, with the breakout, I, I think – you know, like I said, we're at the top end of the trend line, so I think it's going to go sideways for a while, and everybody will sell it and and take it from there. Now, the the crude oil market has begun to show the strain of a persistently strong dollar, and uh, I I think if if crude oil's continuous contract, if you look at that, it shows uh, the extent to which energy uh, market is being hampered by the dollar. So it'd be interesting to see if the dollar does break down, what occurs from there. Uh, you know. Look, I, I think there's a, politi- a definite political incentive for the Trump administration to collaborate with the U.S. Treasury Department and the Fed at some point to weaken the dollar uh, before the global economy truly becomes unhinged. <laughs> uh, a, a U.S. currency intervention would, of course, pave the way for, for China to accuse the U.S. of being a, a, a currency manipulator. But anything that weakens the dollar would also give additional support for gold, oil, and any any commodity. Okay, so... You know, one of the things I don't get, and, and this is something I, I was looking at, and, and I'm not recommending this stock because, I, I, you know, I, I don't think it's going anywhere for a while. But, look, Freeport-McMoran, uh, you know, why, aren't, why isn't somebody trying to acquire companies like this? You know, there's some other ones, too. But, look, if you look at the gold mining operations alone, I think they're worth approximately about three-quarters of what the company's current market cap is. And that's the smallest part. Of the company, you know, the rest of it's, you know, you got copper, you got oil and gas, and yet it doesn't go anywhere. It keeps hitting new lows, and uh, you, you would think that somebody would buy the company, and and that's not the only company I I see. I I'm seeing more and more companies like this, and I'm just I'm using Freeport as an example, and I'm not recommending it, so don't don't get all, uh, you know, crazy with me. But look, one of the things that kind of bugs me is is you know, remember tulip bulbs. The Dutch East India uh, Trading Company, coffee for that matter, back in in the Dutch scenario, Japanese real estate, tech stocks, U.S. housing. Look, uh, those assets had one thing in in common: they were a bubble. Okay, and and I get I guess my question is: sovereign bonds are are they set to join that list soon? Is you know, negative yields? I mean, Germany just did a thirty year bond with a negative yield, and people bought them. People bought them, so you're paying the government for them to hold your money. You know, so I just wonder if it's the end of, uh, you know, if it's if it's the end. Are they playing with a hot potato? You know what I mean? All right, we'll be back. Stay tuned. An extraordinary adventure to Israel can be yours. Join the Stand with Israel tour with Dennis Prager and Mike Gallagher. Happening December 2nd through the 11th, 2019. Register today at whkradio.com. Okay, we're back. Uh, if you just tuned in, remember, this is last week I'm going to offer the healthcare conference information, day one and two. Uh, and I think healthcare, I think people are looking for healthcare stocks that don't have drugs involved. And I, I also think that the relative strength of biotechs and drugs are starting to turn up. You know, they've been, go, they've been going down and then they went sideways for a long time and now the relative strength started to turn up. So maybe they're looking for drug companies too. <laughs> Who knows? But, uh, uh, look, uh, it's available to you. Just go to WHK 1420 AM local podcast down to Tim Hayes, go over to my webpage and, and there's all sorts of contact me, email me's there, you know, just uh, ask for it. But it's last week. Uh, we also have the dividend growth list, the prime income list. So if you'd like those and our best ideas, if you'd like to have coffee, uh, the phone number's on that, on that thing, or you can email me and let's have coffee and talk about your portfolio. Uh, so I, I was looking at sectors and I, I was, 
I talked to some people at Dorsey Wright, a great group of people, and they've seen a, a shift in sector bullish percent distribution uh, curve since the market peaked in July. Um, the market, well, while the selling pressure has has created a noticeable shift in the curve, uh, such a migration from overbought to oversold territory has happened fairly quickly. We were we weren't really that overbought. We were right in the middle. We were at forty seven percent, and this is the sector bullish percent curve. Now, remember, we do bullish percent then the sector, and now we're at thirty five. So we've come down quite a ways. What's What's important is all but three groups are to the left hand side of the sine curve. That's where you want them, folks. We now have almost seventeen groups below thirty. So instead of getting depressed, you should be licking your chops. <laughs> All right? Now, we still only have, look, the problem this year is we've only had like six or seven sectors that have been favored for since March. So we had a big bull out at the beginning, and then, and then slowly but surely we've, we've held off a little bit. So if I look at the weekly distribution for sectors, we've gone from 90% of the sectors above zero to all but precious metals below zero now. So it's been a big, big move, and there's been a big change in momentum, and I've seen several stocks hold really, really tightly. Uh, and I, I I think we're starting to see, well, I've just seen some positive weekly momentum, and it's for stocks that we haven't talked about in a long, long time. And, I, you know, you have to come see me for me to talk about them <laughs> because I don't talk about individual stocks. That's the rules on the show. But uh, one of the things uh, I have seen is the shift into financials has lent itself to a, a you know, we've been seeing more of the uh, money starting to shift in the, the, the real powerhouse financials. And that's something that usually leads to the rest of the financials uh, going up. So what we have is financials came into third place this week. So they went from, uh, they, they overtook healthcare and consumer cyclicals and moved into third place on the on the sector ranking. So technology's uh, first, but they're, they've been the weakest since the end of July, just so you know. Industrials are second, and financials are third, utilities fourth. Uh, energy's still dead last. So it's time to start looking at some financials, and I, I, I think I would be looking more at the, rel- the high relative strength financials. Uh, and I have a couple ETFs in that, that category that look really, really good, but uh, the financials definitely have made the biggest improvement in the last 12, 13 days. So uh, I think there's some real interesting stuff going on there. And um, I, I just think you want to stay with the relative strength. The relative strength leaders are still leading the way. Simple as that, okay? Anyway, um, I did notice a couple things. The point and figure chart for the uh, QQQs reversed up into a column of Xs. I also noticed that Friday somebody bought a ton of puts on that same index. So, I, I, you know, you, maybe they're not looking at point and figure charts. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Uh, the domestic equity cash pro, uh, percentile moved just to 33%. So that's down from 66%. Uh, so, if, you know, if you're trading in and out, you would have gone to 66% cash. Now it's only 33%. Now, uh, that indicator spent most of its time in the green zone and uh, which makes sense given the long-term relative uh, strength uh, displayed by domestic equities. I mean, they've been number one asset class for a long, long time. And the relative strength spread has been very, very positive. So if you have strong relative strength, your stock's been holding up. If not, it's getting killed is what I'm trying to tell you. The uh, short-term bullish uh, percent for all U.S. equities uh, in the diversified category it's still in a column of O's, and it's a 58. It, you know, it got all the way up to, to 84. Uh, so just leave that at that. Uh, we did have some of the intermediate-term bullish percents turn up uh, for all U.S. equities. So it's kind of interesting. The long-term is is still in a bullish, you know, it's still is bullish. The short-term is negative. So keep that in mind. Um, you know, bond yield inversions saw rising commodities in the past, and this time it's different, or maybe not. You know, maybe commodities, uh, you know, the CRB index uh, is down 74% from its high. And I think it would be hitting a new low if it wasn't for gold. 
because gold's a pretty big uh, and oil uh, oil that's about forty percent of the portfolio. But normally, when you have inverted yield curve, you have a rising commodity research bureau index. Uh, so the commodities are going up, and so this is different, and no one knows why. But uh, you know, I, I think it's something uh, that maybe you know, if it stays inverted for a while, you'll see the commodities start to pick up. Who knows? Um, let's see. Uh, a couple other things I wanted to look at here. Uh, I'm also starting to see some sector rotation, and I. I uh, you know, it's it's if you look at relative rotation graphs, uh, which I do pretty regularly. Um, you know, I'm start I'm just starting to see, like, you know, for example, the financials we mentioned earlier. So I I don't know if uh, if that's going to be good or bad or whatever, but it it's we're starting to see some rotation. I'm starting to see some rotation into healthcare. I I started to see it in uh, energy, and then it just died. And I I think it was because of Mr. Powell's comments last fall. But it'll be interesting to see, uh, because of this ESG, you know, this environmental, uh, social, and governance uh, issue, if oil ever picks up again, because they're they're against oil. Believe me, I, I had dinner with my uh, millennial uh, nephews and nieces, and they're really against oil. They hate oil. They want to have it all electric. I hate to tell them that electric is usually <laughs> produced by oil or gas, one of the two. But anyway, look. Uh, I think it's important that we hold some key re, uh, support areas. I don't know with with Friday's action. Uh, you know, I, I I looked at the charts briefly on the uh, on the indexes, and the Russell uh, got beat up pretty bad. So we're, we're, we went right up to you know we broke the uptrend line. We went right up to it and then sold off. And it it seems like President Trump is timing. He's got a technician in his office and he's timing this stuff. Um, we we had the e, uh, the EF, EAF the Morgan Stanley Corporate Index, which is the international index, and the EEM, which is the emerging markets. They came right to their base, and and now they're leaking below it. So uh, it might be time that uh, you hit the road because this is right about where I told you to get in. Um, I I do I look at the weekly indicators and I I they suggest that we're gonna we're gonna still chop into the third quarter. Uh, you know, if we're going to head higher, and one of the things I would been comparing is the the 2015 and 16 time frame to this one, and they're almost identical. Uh, the charts are anyway. So, uh, you know, if if we do have a rebound like we did in 2017, you got to be there. But I think 5G is still the you know Keysight had a huge quarter on Thursday. Uh, they were up like ten, twelve dollars, and uh, uh, I own some of Keysight, and and but that that whole group, uh, you know. Sienna, Finistar, Coherent—you know—they might be worth buying a pullback. Semis had a rough day Friday. I, I was looking at them and I thought oh, maybe they're going to hold, but they had a pretty rough day. So I don't know. Um, I'm seeing some select improvement uh, despite the uh, really bearish economic headlines in some of the machinery, chemicals, uh, and transports. Uh, staples are accelerating. I got two names that I really, really like, which I'm not going to mention. Uh, that I was just working on uh, last night. So, um, but the S and P continues to to track that 2016 roadmap, and and I think it's important that you you understand that because uh, uh, you know you don't want to get too bearish. Remember, the the American Association of Individual Investors are are really bearish right now, and so I I suggested last week that we might go down and hit uh, you know uh, on the momentum oscillators. You know, go down into oversold territory again. I think we're there, almost there. The one thing that bugs me is the Russell. You know, you'd really like to see the small caps go forward, and the Russell's relative performance just is not very good. Um, it's just not picking up. Uh, growth. I keep talking about the discrepancy between value and growth, and growth keeps going up. So there's just all they're doing is buying high relative strength stocks, and and someday that's going to end. I think it's going to end very very badly. Also, the, the bullish bearish sentiment for the uh, American Association of Individual Investors came in even lower this week. So it, it's getting close. Uh, the, the record was 2008, so it's, it's getting closer to there. But also the, the economic surprise, uh, Citicorp economic surprise thing is you could really have some 
upward economic surprise here because it's right at the bottom. Um, but as I said, the e, uh, EFA, which is the Morgan Stanley Corporate Index, uh, did did break its uptrend line on Friday. So, uh, and the EEM looked like it had a double bottom going, and now it's it's right it's right where it's got to stop. So you want to be careful. But the relative performance to the S and P five hundred hit a new low this just on on Friday. So you want to be very very careful. Now, the one thing that is um, bugging me a lot is everybody's just assuming interest rates are going to go down and down and down and down. Yet the o, the relative strength, the daily relative RSI indicator, uh, is really oversold. And it'd be interesting to see if it pops, what happens. Now, the dollar kind of looks like the market. Uh, the market broke its up short-term uptrend line. This is just short-term now, not long-term. And and that just means that we're, you know, we're, we got some problems. And and the dollar, and what it did is went right up to its uptrend line. I mean, right up to that line again and, and died on the market. I, like I said, I think Mr. Trump has a technician, but... The dollar's doing the same thing, so it'll be in- interesting to see what happens. But if the dollar breaks, remember, you want to look at oil, you want to look at crude. Uh, and once again, gold futures are up at the top of their trend line, so you want to wait wait a while. Uh, and also the, the GDX and all those names are looking pretty good. The financials really broke hard above their, uh, their support, so that's good. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with the bullish percent. Okay, we're back. We just tuned in. This is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Remember, if you want to get any, if you want to hear the show, and you didn't, you just heard a part of it. You want to hear the whole thing. Uh, go to WHK fourteen twenty Tuesdays at noon, and uh, they podcast it. So you just go to WHK fourteen twenty local podcast down to Tim Hayes. You can also get to my webpage. So if you'd like to discuss your portfolio, uh, you know, talk about things, uh, you can uh, give me a. My phone number, everything there. Contact me, email me there. Also, last week for the healthcare conference. So I <laughs> uh, highly recommend it. So we always talk about the bullish percent here. It's our main guide uh, to risk. And so it, it's a chart that goes from zero to 100. And it was, it was designed by a point and figure chart. Uh, just He was a phenom back then named Ernie Staby. And uh, he, was, he was Charles Dow protege. And he, he came up with the idea of being bullish when everybody else is bearish. And bearish when everybody else is bullish. So he he put this chart from 0 to 100. When it got over 70, things are too red hot. Okay, this is the number of charts that are on point and figure buy signals. When 70% of the charts are on buy signals, it, all it can do is go down from there usually. Uh, I've seen it go to 80 a couple times, but usually it, could, it heads south. Anyway, and then below 30, that's when only 30% of the stocks are uh, on point and figure chart uh, buy signals. And that's called the green zone. Everybody hates the market then. They can't find a stock. You know, you got to look really hard to find a stock to buy, that type of thing. I've seen it get down to nine. Uh, actually, it got down to four in 2008. So uh, it, it can happen. But So this week, we, we were down 1.8%, even when the market was was up. And it, this is this is a, on Thursday, so it didn't even count Friday. So it's probably down more, but... We won't reverse till we go back up to, to 44, and we're at 36 point, uh, 38.6. So if we got below 30, that'd be very positive. Now, the over-the-counter index did finally break down. It's in a column of O's, and so is the world index. So uh, you saw everything continued lower. All the indexes continued la- lower, and uh, it doesn't look like it's going to turn around today or tomorrow. Uh, and it, it's hard because, you know, you're investing by tweet, <laughs> and, and that makes it a little bit more difficult. Now, after reviewing the weekly domestic uh, d- dynamic asset level investing, our friend Dorsey Wright, who provides us with a bullish percent, by the way, uh, provides us with, you know, over this last three-year period, domestic equities have been the number one asset class. So it's been hard to say, hey, get out, get out, get out, get out. Uh, and, you know, one of the really important tools we talk about is for investment game plans is magazine covers. It's not that the advice that sits behind the cover isn't good, because it usually is, okay? But instead, the covers themselves, which are arguably present the most concise summary investor psychology at a given time. Why is this important? Well, we know the average investor tends to overcorrect with market changes, shifting their 401k based, you know, generally on the feeling of gut, sim- simply put. And magazine covers typically reinforce the modus, you know. Uh, so if you look at some of these things, now we just had one 
August 17th, and it was The Economist, and it, it showed these really rough seas and these three or four boats at the top of these huge waves, and it said, Markets in an Age of Anxiety. And, you know, I, I remember the one in May was Collision Course, American Iran, the Threat of War. And then the, the one back in March was the Threat to the World Trade. And America's Future as a Global Power, November of 2017. And then October, the next recession, how bad will it be? Well, it's been a year, so we, we, we'll never know. But look, when we have a magazine cover like that, usually you, you got to start thinking the other direction, okay? So right now we have several bullish things happening. Market will probably take its time recognizing those, but the dividend yield on the S&P 500 is now greater than the 30-year Treasury, and the 10-year Treasury, which doesn't happen. I mean, the 10-year Treasury has happened a couple times. The 30-year doesn't happen very often. The second thing is everybody's bearish. The AAII poll was a 20. Only 20% of the people were bullish. There was 49.5% bearish. That's usually a very positive sign. And, you know, the one thing that is interesting, I think, is currencies have ranked dead last for the past three years. They've been in the sixth position while cash has spent the majority of the time just one spot ahead. So, you know, if you were in cash, you know, you weren't making any money. If you were in currencies, you weren't making any money. But domestic equities were number one. They got the most votes. Uh, international equities are about 105 votes behind. And fixed income really came on strong in, in the last couple of months. But they've they've been uh, down and out, too. So now I looked at all the indexes, and, and they still look good long term. They They've had definitely bad weekly momentum for some time now. It doesn't matter where you are. It's been four or five weeks of bad momentum. And it started with the uh, the, the tweets, uh, you know, again. So, as I said, investing by tweet is, is not very easy. Although, if you use the down days to pick up high-quality names, especially in the dividend area, I think that's a good idea. Um, you know, I was looking at the QQQ, so I'm going to talk about this a little bit. You know, and I said there was a big, huge put trade on Friday. Yet, uh, the net asset value... Uh, is above the 10-week moving average, and it's had positive mo- uh, weekly mo- uh, monthly momentum, I'm sorry. so, um, and, and, you know, it's relative strength. It's it's pretty high against all the other indexes. So I, I don't know uh, why somebody buy the puts, but it did look fairly good to me and, and take it from there. Now, we do have um, the bullish percent for all the groups now is at 36. It's up just a little bit for the week. Um, but there's seven groups that are positive, up from six, um, but nothing's in the 80s anymore. You know, electric utilities were in the 80s, are now at 64. Waste management's at 60. That might be a good place to go. Uh, real estate and semiconductors are 50, although semis got hit Friday hard. Precious metals up to 45 now. Remember, that was below 30 just four months ago. Uh, Wall Street's at, at uh, 40%, and protection services below 30 at uh, 24%. And they're, the majority of the groups are below 40. The majority of the groups are 40. So that's another bullish indicator. Remember, when things get start getting oversold, don't get fu- fearful. Get greedy. You know, don't don't jump off a cliff. <laughs> get out there and, and start, you know, doing your homework. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I've got a whole list of stocks I want to buy. I'm just waiting for something, you know, uh, to turn. And I don't know exactly what that what that's going to be or uh, how that happens or whatever. But I did notice a lot of groups uh, went to unfavored status, textiles, business uh, uh, business uh, machines, automobiles, telecom, trans, uh, transports, banking, gaming, gas utilities. The only thing that went positive is real estate. So uh, real estate continues to do really well. I have been looking at some of these global minimum uh, volatility ETFs. And I saw several of them that looked fairly good. So I think a lot of people are uh, kind of betting uh, on, you know, the low volatility stocks being the winners. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I, I looked at two uh, that I really liked. But, um, you know, look, uh, I looked at fixed income and, and you know, I Dorsey Wright agreed with me. I mean, I, could, I read their thing this week and it was almost exactly what I was going to say. But interest rates have fallen considerably, and bond prices have moved to historically overbought levels. And like I said, will this be the next bubble? Will government bonds of all nations, sovereign bonds, be the problem? And I don't know. Uh, 
But we mentioned the long end of the yield curve is measured by the U.S. Uh, 30-year. Hit the lowest level ever at 1.95%. And that was on August 15th, and it re- rebounded a bit slightly. So it's about 2.01. So the, you know, the, the S&P 500's yield is higher than the Treasuries. That's kind of interesting. By the way, corporate bonds made a big move too. So I don't know. The distribution curve places, uh, you know, most of those securities on the bell curve in overbought status. So I think you got to be really, really careful. I looked at the bond market and I looked at, uh, you know, I mean, the majority of them, uh, I mean, there's some of them that are in the 160, you know, like the the municipal bond ETF is, uh, they're at 190. The short term municipal bonds, 140. Uh, long-term treasuries, 130. So, you know, you get kind of hard, fast reversals. Remember what I said earlier, the relative strength uh, indicator is very, very oversold at this point. So, uh, you know, I looked at commodities this week, and, um, well, first of all, uh, with the exception of gold uh, being positive for three weeks, everything else is negative for about five weeks. Corn, which had made like a 17-week run, has been negative ever since then because they found out they had more coal than they thought they did. Uh, and crude oil moved into backwardation. If you don't know what that is, you shouldn't be messing with crude oil, but backwardation occurs when the future price is below the expected future spot price, while Contego, which is the opposite, is the future price is above the expected spot price. So one way to track uh, whether crude oil is a state of Contego or backwardation is through the rolling yield curve of the crude oil. Uh, so you, there's a symbol for it, and if you want it, call my office. The chart compares the price differential of crude oil that uh, that are on a one and a four month out percentage. So, uh, but when you when you go into backwardation, usually that's positive for the oil companies. When you go into Contego, usually the price you expect the price to go down, and that's usually good for the guys actually making gasoline. Uh, so there we go. Uh, so. <laughs> I, <laughs> Uh, on Tuesday, I had a, bre- a coffee at Starbucks with uh, several guys, and uh, the two guys were from the East Coast, and they liked Duncan more than Starbucks. And uh, you know, I didn't care one way or another. I I just like coffee. Uh, so uh, I our friends at Dorsey Wright put out a relative strength chart: uh, Starbucks versus Duncan. It looks like Starbucks has the upper hand. <laughs> All right, uh, the Ted, you know. I just noticed that the 10-week for all equity funds turned into a column of X's this week. Now, that's a rock'em, sock'em, robot-type uh, uh, indicator, so you know it can turn very quickly. And let's move on to relative-strength buy signals. Remember, these are important because these can happen. It can stay that way for a while. BioRad Laboratories is a $340 stock. Uh, Babcock and B- Brown Air Limited. Novavax, which is a little biotech company. Uh, PCTEL is in the software area. By the way, a lot of those have been showing up on my uh, machine. P&M Resources, Electric Utility, Republic Services. Remember I said the Waste Management Group has been very strong. Sapiens International, that's a software company. Uh, Universal Health, XL Energy, another electric utility. Independence Realty, uh, Arete. And Cyros Pharmaceuticals, uh, Biotech. And Ventas, which is another uh, REIT. On the sell side is Boyd Gaming, East West Bancorp, Mercer International, uh, Terex, Unisys, United Rentals, Wolverine Worldwide, Visay, uh, Precision, Vosera Communications, uh, Care DNX, Under Armour, Ingevity, Williams Company, Stitch Fix, Core Point, Garrett Motion, uh, Terex, and uh, that's it. All right, hey, look, we're going to be right back. Uh, stay tuned. This is Smart Investor Show. We're going to talk about Insider soon. Okay, we're back. Uh, this is the part of the show where we talk about insiders. Why do we talk about insiders? Look, what we've done is we've gone from a big old economy. Uh, you know, we were talking about interest rates and, and gold and, and uh, you, you know, uh, basically the, the markets and sector bullish percent, big stuff. And now we're moving down, you know, with the relative strength. Those are ideas you can use. Now, remember, uh, I'm only looking at really big insider buys, Okay. Uh, I'm not looking at winky dinky ones or, you know, where they buy 5,000 shares or something like that. I'm, I'm looking for bigger buys. Uh, and also remember, 
that insiders are notoriously early. And also remember that this year is one of the first years in a long, long time where insiders have not done well. You know, Warren Buffett's got taken to the the, <laughs> the woodshed a couple times this year. Uh, a lot of the insiders got, got have been taken to the woodshed. So uh, you ask, why do I continue to do it? Well, I continue to do it because it works most of the time. Insiders usually beat the analysts about 65% of the time more. Okay? they Also, the analysts write about 52% of the time. Insiders write about 68 So why is this happening? And it's because people just continue to buy relative strength stocks. So once again, I talk about this value versus growth thing. Value is at a level that I've never seen before. Small caps, same way. Growth is at a level. I mean, look, I know a company that trades at 3,000 times earnings. And it's still going up because the momentum investors are there. And soon that may change, but uh, until it does, you got to play the game, right? Uh, the first one I saw was Cullen Frost Bankers. And this was the CEO. He bought $2.5 million. And this looks like it might be a little bit of a double bottom. Uh, you know, it peaked out at 105 back in March, now 80, 85. And uh, it was there back in December. So that's interesting. And here's Eddie Lampert, you know, the guy who bought Sears. He was supposed to be the next Warren Buffett. Uh, he bought Seratish Growth Properties. Now, this is his, he said, number of buys, and he just bought $1.5 million. He's, he owns quite a bit of it. Uh, Unify, which is in the industrial goods, it's a textile uh, manufacturer. Value Add, uh, which is a big hedge fund, bought 2.162 million shares. Now, this is really interesting because this is uh, last week we talked about a couple people buying AbbVie. And AbbVie has a big dividend yield, and they're a spinoff from Abbott, so I know they're well-managed. Uh, now, this stock is down from 95 all the way down to 67. And uh, the senior vice president of operations bought a million dollars worth. Now, here's one that <laughs> set me back on my uh, on my heels, and that is a director of JCPenney bought a million shares. Now, it's only 63 cents or something like that, but uh, still buying a million shares of a 63-cent stock uh, takes intestinal fortitude, if you know what I mean. Uh, and then Mohawk Industries, which just got creamed, was 150, now it's 116. I saw a director uh, buy $1.3 million worth. And uh, GE, more insider buys. Uh, you know, last week we talked about a whole bunch of people buying there. We had a senior VP uh, buy 223000 So uh, that's after... You know, quite a few people bought last week. And Clear Channel Outdoor Holdings. Uh, this is a stock that was $5 back in July, missed badly, is now at $2.60. We had one director buy 400,000 shares, it's $913,000. Another director buy 200,000 shares, which is $463,000. So uh, fairly big purchases uh, of, of shares, maybe not dollar volume, but uh, I think... Uh, I did notice that we we had a lot of lot of insiders buy again. Uh, so for the month, it, it was an outstanding number, uh, uh, like three pages on my computer. Uh, and uh, you don't uh, you know you don't rare, you rarely see that. Okay, so it it they're still buying with both hands. They may be buying a hundred thousand here, and I think you know look they probably got burned. So you know th- you know instead of buying all at once now they're buying you know part and parcel. So uh, there you go. You know, the the financial press is full of commentary on interest rates, where they may be headed, you know, what may be the implications for the economy, the stock market. And, and the recent inversion by parts of the yield curve has forecaster guessing when a possible recession may arrive. I'm not that good. <laughs> uh, what makes analysis even more difficult is the fact that interest rates are now lower than any other time in history, although the 10-year was a little bit lower in Mr. Obama's administration. And while there are often similarities in historical periods, using past experience to project possible future outcomes may be kind of less helpful in this current environment because we regard these opinions as interesting stories, but only modest bits of helpful advice. So remember, just a year ago when the possibility of higher rates and inflations were some of the biggest fears that investors had, now it's the opposite? You know, a year ago in March, in May, I said the buy yield one was up. Look, they can't let interest rates go up too high. I guess there's too much debt. It, it, would, it would bankrupt the United States. It would bankrupt most of the world. 
so much debt out there, okay? So, look, the 10-year bull market remains intact for for stocks, and uh, we're, we're in a rising channel that spans, unfortunately, about 20% from top to bottom. That's the problem. We get to the top, and then we get bad policy or, or bad stuff out of Washington, and it just rocks the market. The other thing is there's not much money in the market, but we're slowly but surely getting to the other, you know, the bottom trend line, okay? So remember, we have some real positive things going. Look, you know, I, I mentioned, uh, well, I was going to mention this week is that, you know, the trend line resistance was at 26,400. We hit there and we came right back down. So we're having a hard time getting through that resistance for the time being. And uh, uh, I, I think, you know, it, you know, you need a, a meaningful level to, you know, and I think that's a, that's a 26,400. If we get through this, we'll have a more bullish case for equities. But until we do, um, we got some problems. So what we're what we're seeing is a lot of big big uh, drops and a lot of big bounces, and we'll see that for a while. We, this is what's been the developing pattern. We have a big move up in the market for a year, year and a half, and then we go sideways, and then those sideways patterns are whoops. Okay, but with domestic equities being the number one asset class, you, you know, there's not a lot of other places to go uh, because they're about a hundred votes ahead of everybody else. Okay. So it's, it's kind of hard. Now, if you were in fixed income and you know, we kind of mentioned that back in spring of uh, 2018, you know, buy yield when it's up. That's what we said. And you go back and look, it's, it's on the, if you go to WHK 1420 in the webpage, you'll see that, you know, the information's there. You can go, I think you can go back a year, a year and a half. I might be able to go back further than that. I don't know. But the point is yields not up now. Okay, so I think we're just going to have this bouncing up and down in the in the yield market, which means when the yield's up, you buy bonds, and when the yield's down, you leave them alone. All right, that's why I keep talking about this ladder to poach to your bond mar- to your bond portfolio. It's very very important, you know. So you're constantly having money coming due, and you, and then you wait to the yield to go up, and then you buy it, and then you let it go. When it goes back down, you. You know, you got another thing coming due and you, you buy some more and the next time the yields go up. But I, I think with the relative strength index down as low as it is, you'll probably have a bounce in interest rates coming up here. So, so don't panic. Uh, but look, you, you get a choppy volatile period. It, it, it often follows a pullback and we, you know, we had a pullback, then we bounced. Now we've, we've had a choppy pullback, but I don't think this is over yet. I think we still have probably another a quarter or two to go. And, uh, but I also, you know, look, we do have a beautiful 10-year chart on the S&P 500. I mean, you can tell we're in a definite uptrend. And the other thing you can tell is bonds are still in a definite, bond yields are still in a definite downtrend. And it ain't over until it's over. It's that simple. So I think the, the bullish, you know, the bullishness or the lack of bullishness right now is very, very positive. You know, I can't tell you when you get the 20% bulls, on the American Association of Individual Investors, that is one of the great contrary indicators of our time. Now we have the dividend yield on the S&P 500 a quarter of a point higher than the 30-year bond. You know, when it was a quarter point higher than the 10-year bond, it was a great year for dividend stocks. So the dividend growth portfolio is something you want to you want to get involved in. And I do think the healthcare conference is another thing you want to get in. It's a two-day thing. It's great reading. Uh, there's been two or three stocks now, that have really taken off there. Anyway, I had one more bullish so. case. <laughs> I forgot. Oh, the, the the amount of money on the sidelines. We just hit an all-time record. So the amount of money on the, that's moved from the stock market to the buy market is now $280 million this year, or billion dollars, I'm sorry, which is a ton of cash. And the amount of money in the money market are now records. So we have liquidity out there. We have everybody bearish. We get the bullish percent almost to 30 and the dividend yield on the Dow. I mean, on the S&P 500, higher than the 30-year treasury, not the 10-year treasury, the 30-year. Isn't that interesting? So, by the way, if they lower interest rates one more time, it'll be a big number. It'll be half a percentage point above the 30-year treasury. So, something to think about. And and so, what I'm trying to tell you is, is don't get too bearish, okay? So, Look, a couple things I would recommend. Uh, number one, rewriting retirement. Great piece. I'm going to do a seminar on it uh, this, this fall. And the Savvy Investors 
credit workbook. Remember, you got to work both sides of your balance sheet. All right. The very, very wealthy people know how to use debt at the right time. And, and like I've always said to the people I open credit lines with, doesn't cost you anything. And 98% of the time, you don't use it. But 98% of the people use it at some time when they need it. Makes a lot of sense. Trust me. We also, by the way, we do all sorts of financing. You know, I got, I got a couple of people in business, uh, and they, we help them out buying equipment. Got a, a really, you know, nice loan for them buying equipment that they needed. Um, <laughs> I, I laughed at the one guy I played golf with him, and, uh, you know, he, he, he told me a couple of things, and he got his first order, and he was all happy, and I was happy for him, you know, so, uh, but it's available to you. Don't forget the healthcare conference. Uh, this is last week. I'm not going to talk about it again. I'm going to throw this piece of paper out. But the dividend growth portfolio in this in this particular spotlight is a dynamite thing to be involved in. There's three or four stocks on the prime income list that I think are are extremely extremely bubble in this particular atmosphere. Now they they might not hit the ESG. <laughs> type portfolio, but they're extremely viable in this portfolio. And then don't forget our top ideas. By the way, you know, I mentioned Marshfield to everybody. Uh, they're, they're up 29.6% this year. So uh, there we go. In the meantime, it's going to be a great weekend. Fall-like, but nice enough to go out, play golf, whatever you want to do. Have a great weekend. Don't forget to buy low, sell high. This is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free. 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.